Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Atusa. Hi everyone, Atusa, compulsive overeater. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for asking me to speak. I learned a long time ago that the answer to can you speak at a meeting is yes, it would be my honor and my privilege. Um, so it's an honor and a privilege to be here tonight and share my experience, strength, and hope. I'm a little nervous, so, and it's like, I feel like I'm in Costa Rica. <laughs> Tropical storm setting in. God's reminding me that he's here. So he can speak through me. Let's see. I celebrated... 11 years of abstinence, May 12th of this year. Um, so it's about 11 years in a, a couple months, and um, I couldn't stop eating. I could not stop eating, and couldn't stop hating myself. I couldn't stop comparing and contrasting other people's bodies to mine. Couldn't stop asking my husband, like, is she prettier or am I prettier? Is she thinner? Are her legs thinner? Well, why do you think her legs are thinner? Well, you know, like, just insanity. And, well, do you think I look thinner? Like, I've been on a diet for a week. Can you tell? Like, just that obsession of my body versus the world. You know, and I couldn't get out of it. And it started really young. I'll tell you a little bit about where I come from. I was born in Iran in uh, the early 70s, and um, we left Iran when the revolution happened in the late 70s, and we moved to England, and we were basically like fresh off the boaters. <laughs> like my mom spoke no English, my dad spoke English, he was charismatic, handsome, abusive, alcoholic, um, you know, very, very sick man, and um, we proceeded to live in England because my uncle was there. He was the only family we had, and even as a kid, I always felt different. I was that one kid that was just a little more sensitive, a little more intuitive, a little more in tune with what the adults were saying, a little more fearful. Like, even as a kid, I had decided that one of my parents was going to die. Like, which kid thinks that? Like, I had just, like, my dad was going to die, and my mom didn't speak English, and we were going to be desolate. I mean, that's what this thing I had created as a five-year-old, you know? And so we lived in England, and, and there weren't many Persians, and, you know, we were a different color and a different race, and, and I was already feeling different, and it just added to that. In 86, my mom died, and uh, she died of this disease. She died a compulsive overeater. She was probably, I don't know, 150, 60 pounds when she died. She was crash dieting. She was uh, taking pregnant women's urine shots at the time, and one of the side effects of that is massive cardiac arrest. So I don't have too far to look to see where I could be, and she was 38. So, you know, I walked in to come home from school and found a dead mother on the floor. You know, so it was it was traumatic. But even without the trauma, I was already a kid that was very different. Like I just had that hypersensitivity. Anyway, we moved to the states so that my grandparents could take care of us. Um, you know, Dad continued to be abusive. 
you know, uh, we share in a general way, so that's what I'll do. Um, and it was hard, and I used food, and I used food really early. I've never smoked a cigarette, I've never tried marijuana, never done a drug, never did the boy thing, but food was my friend. You know, it was quiet, it was secretive, it coated the nerves, and it did what any good painkiller would do, which was it would take me out. For me, you know, food is, you know, food makes the intolerable tolerable. You know, and as a 13-year-old going through what I was going through, it made me able to continue with life. It made me be able to go to school, raise my little brother, who was left now motherless. Um, my dad wasn't around, and when he was, it wasn't pretty. And it worked. It worked really well, <laughs> you know, until it stopped working. You know, there's a point where it stops working. And I guess that's what you call hitting bottom. Even as a young child, I could always hear my, my mom, you know, talking with her friends. Well, I know what to about it too, so it's weight. You know, she's getting all fat. Well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And I would watch my mom go to the diet doctor and get these shots, you know. So even as a young child, I had this notion that your body had to look a certain way. And people had to look at your body a certain way to say it's okay so that you'd be okay in the world. You know, and I still have a little bit of that sometimes, but I uh, proceeded to go through high school and, and binge, and compulsive overeater with a driver's license was like heaven on earth. Like, no one had to know where I was going. Uh, my pants were getting tighter. I can probably gain 10 pounds in a weekend. I mean, that's the kind of eater that I am. I'm not like, oh, I had an extra cookie. <laughs> Look at that. You know, I'm the, you know, 12 Mrs. Fields cookies. 12 bagels, you know, uh, entire grocery bags, sweet and salty, sweet and salty, sweet and crunchy and salty, sweet and fatty and sugary, and, you know, like that, the triangle of the sweet, the salty, the crunchy, sweet, salty, crunchy, you know, um, give me an almond, not so sexy, cover it with chocolate, I'm out, you know, and so, and so that's what I did, and I ate, and I learned how to diet, you know, went on my first diet even before my mom died. I decided to go on a fruit diet, so I ate about 14 pieces of fruit in one sitting. <laughs> I mean, that's just what I did, and um, I ran around the block, and then I threw up. I mean, even as a child, that was just the way my, my head was, was wired. Anyway, so dead mom in high school, got a driver's license. My father got married, and we all binged together. It was awesome. And it was the most freedom I had had in my disease for a long time because I now worked. I had money. I had a license. And I didn't have a mom. My dad really didn't care. So it was me and the world, you know. And so I got married. And um, got married. And my marriage was serendipity. Like, it was not... Any other 17-year-old in my circumstance getting married, it would be a disaster. But, you know, God was looking out for me, and I married this awesome, normal man who, within, like, six months of marriage, is like, what is with you? Like, what is up with this eating? You know, because I'd be 150 pounds in September, 180 in November, 150 in January, 190 in April. 145 on Weight Watchers, 200 pounds binging. And he was just like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, what is with you? And on our honeymoon, he still laughs about how we'd go to one restaurant for a meal and then go to another restaurant for dinner. 
um, for a dessert. He's like, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> you know, where your mini bar bill without alcohol is more than your hotel stay. You know? So, yeah, I ate on my honeymoon. So, anyway, um, I had a kid. I was 19 and I had a kid, and um, I wasn't a very good mommy. Uh, you know, I wasn't abusive, but I was checked out, really checked out. And I was like, who is this thing? Like, why do I have a kid? What happened to my life? I had really never been mothered. It, it was just I couldn't wait for the kid to go to sleep so I could binge. And she was a napper. Like, she would nap, like, from 12 to 4 p.m. every day. So from all my children at noon to eyewitness news at four was my binge time. So it was, you know, all my children, one life to live, whatever it was at two, Oprah at three. And it was like, wow, she woke up. Okay, you know, back to being a mom. And my husband would come home at night, and he would see it on my face. He'd be like, it was like being married to an alcoholic, but I never touched alcohol. He would like, oh, I've been eating again. And then, and then the torture of being at a wedding and my dress splitting open or being at his best friend's wedding and not being able to get up because my dress was so tight or being in the euphoria of I've just lost 40 pounds on whatever the, you know, checkbook moment was. Um, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem. Um, I, I did a lot of methods. But when I did my first food inventory, I had done 31 methods by the time I was 24. So he, it came a point where he said to me he thought I was having an affair. And he's just like, I don't know where you are. He's like, are you with another guy? Are you sleeping around? Like, what is going on? Because you are not in this marriage. And I wasn't sleeping with anyone. Like, I wasn't having an affair. There wasn't another guy. But I was in my own self-hatred, self-obsession, self-deprecation, demoralization. Because I didn't understand why I would pay 40 bucks to a personal trainer at the time, come home and binge. You know, why I would go to an eating disorder specialist on the way there binge, on the way home binge. You know, go to a Weight Watchers meeting, come home and binge. Like, I mean, it was just, I was powerless over food, powerless over food. Top weight is close to 200 pounds. Today I'm somewhere in the 160s. My body rests in the 160s for whatever reason. I, I often giggle because I was like 165 when I got pregnant with my first daughter. Um, and so it's kind of come full circle. I would like to be 150, you know, but for today if I focus on that, I'll be at back one, one to, to 190, you know, so I, I don't want to go there. Um, so he thought I was having an affair. I had just become president of the candy drive at my daughter's school. <laughs> You know those uh, $1 world-famous chocolate bars? And I owed the school like $47. <laughs> and I hadn't sold any. <laughs> I had eaten them all. Um, so I was sitting at a, at a restaurant, of course, my place of choice, uh, with one of the other moms at school. And I said, you know, Rose, I can't stop eating. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you mean, what do I mean? I said, I can't stop eating. I, I cannot stop eating. She's like, well, what did you have? I said, well, you know those candy bars? Said, yeah. I had 14 of them last night after dinner. She's like, 14? I'm like, yeah. She goes, did you feel sick? No. Did you throw up? No. So you need to go to OA. <laughs> I was like, what's OA? She's like, well, it comes from AA, and, you know, she, she was my Eskimo. 
And she nagged at me until I went to a meeting. And Overeaters Anonymous, like the unsexiest name on the planet, like really Overeaters Anonymous, like. And I went to Harvard Street, Santa Monica 6:30, and the room was packed. There was like a hundred people there back in the day. And I sat and I listened, and I went once a week every Thursday for a year. Didn't have a sponsor, didn't own a big book, didn't work the program, but. I felt at home, like these people understood what it was to eat all the frosting on a cake that had to go to someone's house, you know, Um, like these people got it, and there's something really interesting about these 12-step rooms, like OA, someone said, OA is like the mafia, once you come in, you know too much, so you can't can't ever go out and eat the same way again, you know, welcome to our newcomers, you can't like go out and did what you did before with the same freedom, because you know there's these people that are doing, living life a different way, anyway, so got pregnant with my second kid, and was off and running, binging gave birth to this gorgeous child and was now 25 and the pantry was open, the matzo was out, the chocolate spread was out, the butter was out, you know, the the sweats were dirty, the kid was on my shoulder, um, I hated everybody, I mean, I, I really, I wanted to die, I was sitting on a rocking chair nursing this kid, perfect child, like thinking I had the worst life in the world, because I couldn't stop binging, so I called um, Jeannie, God bless Jeannie, and I hated Jeannie, um, I thought she was a nut, but she was abstinent, like for years, like she kept her weight off, she, you know, she talked the talk, she walked the walk, and I called her, and I was like, Jeannie, I can't stop eating, I'm back in it, and I said, can you sponsor me, she said, I've got a lot of girls right now, but here's one of my girls who can sponsor you, I'm like, fine, she goes, you know, this woman's been um, abstinent for four and a half years, uh, works a great program, call her, fine, called this poor woman like six times like, in one day, like, this is a Tusa, call me back, this is a Tusa, call me back, you know, this is a call me back, and I had that gift of desperation, you know, we call it the gift of desperation, where she could have told me to stand in a bikini on the 405 with a sandwich board, you know, with the 12 steps on one side and the 12 traditions on the other side in order to get abstinent, and I would have done it, like, that is how desperate I was, like, you're in a normal body, you haven't binged for four and a half years, tell me how you do it, like, just tell me what you're doing, and so she called me back, like, the same day, and she's like, yeah, I can sponsor you, this is what I require, okay, great, took out my pen and pencil, you know, my pen and paper, Uh, I want you to go to three meetings a week, two service commitments, you call me every day, Um, you buy a big book, we work the steps together, I expect you to be honest with me, I expect you to call when you're going to tell me you're going to call. Um, I'm not your mom, I'm not your therapist, I'm not your banker, and I'm not your friend. But I will work the program with you. Okay, great. I now have this blueprint, okay? She sponsored me for nine years. In that nine years, my life changed so much. You know, I'm a whole different person. First of all, I lost, you know, most of the weight, pretty much where I am now, the first year, so for the past 10 years, I've worn pretty much a size 10, 12, 
sometimes the factory makes a mistake and it says eight, but it's way wrong. says <laughs> eight, look. Um, and, you know, some evening dresses are 14, like just the way evening dresses are cut, you know. But for today, I stay in the 160s, which is a miracle, miracle. Like, you know, do I want to be a size smaller? Yeah. Um, is that my primary purpose today? No. You know, we worked all the steps together. My favorite step, now it's six and seven, but then it was, it was step two, which was came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, which meant no person in a, in a lab coat, no one that I pay, you know, no one who's married to me, no one who loves me or doesn't love me. It has to come from a power greater than myself. And so I started turning to God, you know, for help when I wanted to eat. And the weight came off. And all of a sudden, I ate meals, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, what a concept. And I remember I called. I called Heidi one time. I was like, Heidi. She goes, what? Go, what do you eat for breakfast? You know, I didn't know, like, what breakfast was. Because I was either binging at IHOP, you know, or I was eating last night's Chinese chicken, you know, or I was eating the leftover pizza. Like, I did not know what meals looked like. And she was like, oh, honey, like, full of cereal and an egg, slice of toast and an egg, you know, piece of fruit. Okay, you know, breakfast. I was so excited because I had learned, like, what meals look like. So still to this day, I eat breakfast food for breakfast, lunch food for lunch, dinner food for dinner. Okay? My husband's a normie. Okay, he's been 180 pounds since I've known him. Okay, six-foot man. Um, he can eat two slices of pizza for breakfast. Okay, I'll just want pizza and whatever and go to work. Won't ever think about it. Okay, I eat two slices of pizza for breakfast. I'm looking for the next salty, sweet trade-off, you know, and then the head gets going. So for today, I believe that there are people who are heavy but who don't have my disease. Um, there are people who you can tell them, like, hey, you know, cut back on the soda, like drink water. Oh, really? Okay. And they do and they lose five pounds, you know. I remember I had joined Weight Watchers and I had made chicken one night for guests and, and you know, I was starving because, you know, I was just messing around with the food. And while the guests were in the kitchen, I ate all the oily scrapings off the bottom of the roasting pan. Okay, just like with a spoon, you know, while they weren't looking. Like, gross, right? And the next day I went to this Weight Watchers meeting and I was like, I ate. You know, I wanted help because I knew, like, there's something very wrong with this. You know, so I sat down with the Weight Watchers leader and I was like, last night I ate all the chicken fat from the roasting pan. And she was like, oh, let's figure out how many points that is. You know? I was like... You know, I'm not knocking Weight Watchers. I think it works great for some people, you know. But for me, that wasn't the issue. Like, I didn't need to know how many points it was. I needed to stop eating fat when people were in my living room, you know. And I was supposed to be a gracious host. (laughs) You know, it... So, um, Heidi sponsored me for nine years. What happened in nine years? I got a career. Love my career for today. Um, had a third baby, had an abstinent pregnancy, am pretty much a checked-in mom 99.9% of the time. Um, I've got friends today that, you know, we hang up the phone, and it's always I love you when I hang up the phone. And it's not just I love you, but it's that, like, deep, I connect with you, I love you, I'm here for you, and you're here for me, you know, kind of a bond. Um, 
My marriage is strong. It's imperfect. Actually, last night we had a little uh, powwow, and I was like, really, God? Like, I'm supposed to get a meeting and <laughs> so fight today with my husband. I've got a house full of Israelis staying at my house. Um, need I say more? And um, it's stressful. It's stressful, stressful times, you know. And, and they overeat. They overeat, but they don't think about it anymore. I overeat, and I hate myself. I want to die. I want to diet. Then I want to binge. Then I want to check out. My overeating is not like a normal person's overeating. You know, people go on vacation, overeat, gain a couple pounds, come back, lose it. You know, oh, it's Thanksgiving, people overeat, unbutton their pants, go to work on Monday. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that for me. It's I overeat, I hate myself, then I hate you, then I act out, then I don't show up for life. And then I hate myself so much because my behavior has been so bad that the only thing that could make me feel better is eating more. So then the whole cycle continues, you know. Anyway, so life got really big, got three kids, started working, got three kids, was given three kids, started working, and um, program got small, you know, too busy to go to meetings, sponsees were a pain in the butt, um, and the food got bigger, you know, it just started getting bigger again, got on the scale, I gained like 20 pounds in program, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. And I don't know, for me, like, approaching 40 wasn't, like, 22 when I came into program. Like, I can't eat a burrito the same way I ate, <laughs> you know, when I came in. So it started adding up. And um, Heidi moved to Ohio. She got married. And um, I decided I need a new sponsor. So I called this woman in program who, uh, you know, Walter introduced me to. And I said, you know, I can't stop eating. Leslie. And, um, you know, I said, well, how many meetings are you going to? I don't know, one or two. I'm really busy. I've got three kids. I work. You need to go to four. Four? Really? Like, even Heidi said three. She's like, no, four. I'm like, well, you mean three to four? She's like, no, four. (laughs) Okay. Four service commitments. Pick up some new people and call me. Okay. So I started working, you know, this program in a whole different way. You know, I work this program like my life depends on it. Um, Go to four meetings a week. I have three commitments right now. Um, I sponsor eight girls. I read. I write. The pen's really heavy, so I don't write as often as I should. Um, I pray I have a relationship with God. I just want a quiet life. I just want a happy, quiet drama-free life, and I want a life where I don't look at myself in the mirror and hate myself. You know, I did that for so many years where, you know, play the naked game in the mirror, like get naked and pull on your body parts, you know, where the thighs have to be smaller and the belly has to be smaller and think about cutting it off and, you know, all of that awful, and then the binging and then the resolution, you know, Monday morning, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, and then Tuesday at noon would come, and I was at the bakery. You know, um, it's painful. It was really, really painful, and it alienated people from my life. Um, people who didn't know which Atusa they were going to get. You know, were they going to get the binging Atusa? The svelte dieting Atusa? You know, um, 
the hungry, angry, you know, starving Atusa. Like, who are they going to get? People were kind of afraid of me. You know, they were kind of like, well, she's kind of like a loose cannon, so, you know, stay back. Um, and people don't feel like that today. You know, I've got really, really good friends and, you know, just had a bat mitzvah for my second daughter and surrounded by people who love us and, and you know, we're there for them and they're for us. And I didn't try to lose weight to fit into a certain dress size for the party. You know, I just, someone said, someone said, buy the dress for the body you're in today. Um, and for so many years, I bought two sizes too small because I could starve my way in the next two weeks and fit into it. Um, and I just, I don't have that power. So, I'm really grateful that, you know, two alcoholics got together, you know, some seven years ago and and put this program together. Um, and that's really all it is. Like, none of us is a professional in here. The girls I sponsor help me more than I help them. Um, we work steps together. Um, I have a pit crew of women. Um, so when something's going wrong, like, I have, like, different women for different things going on. Like, husband stuff, I call one woman. Food stuff, I call one woman. Sponsor knows everything. Never lied to any of my sponsors. I've had two sponsors in this program. Never lied to them. What's the point of lying to a sponsor? Like, really? Why? You know, what's the point? Like, put my butt in a meeting, shut up, listen, put down the fork, and my life got bigger. My life got bigger. And I just want to say that um, it's imperfect. You know, there are people in my house. They eat all the time. Um, <laughs> they talk really loud. Um, and sometimes, you know, someone said, someone said, you know, as a compulsive overeater, um, the lights are a little too bright and the sounds are a little too loud. You know, and the food just turns down the volume and dims the light. And sometimes I find myself like picking up an extra something um, just to kind of coat that. And Leslie's like, just pay for the willingness. Just pray for the willingness. Pray for the willingness to eat less. So my, my kids are 12-step kids. They say all sorts of funny things like, live and let live, you know. <laughs> or um, where do you know her from? I'll be like, oh, she's a friend. Oh, anonymity, huh? You know, <laughs> um, you know they're just good, good, funny 12-step children. And um, my husband, <laughs> about a year ago, I got really tired of working the program. I was like, I'm tired. Like, tired of going to meetings, tired of raising my hand, tired of picking up the phone. And my husband was listening. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden he goes, you're not going to stop going, are you? You know? And, and it, it, it occurred to me how important my program is in our life. You know, because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in my house. You know, like, that if mommy hates herself, kids aren't happy, daddy ain't happy, like, nobody's happy. And he's like, you're not going to stop going, are you? Call Leslie, you know. <laughs> or, you know, I'll be, I'll be talking on the phone and the whole house will be quiet. Like, mom's talking to her sponsor. Shh. You know, um, there's just this tremendous amount of respect for our rooms. Went to visit Heidi in Ohio a couple years ago and had the privilege of going to Akron and seeing Dr. Bob's house and the hotel where Bill W. basically avoided the drink and picked up a phone. And that's, that's, one, of the pho- that's one of the pictures on my phone because mm-hmm. I think that phone call changed the world, you know, changed the world. So I'm grateful. I'm going to um, stop and take questions and just tell the newcomers that the program works. You don't ever have to you know, do it the way you're doing it now. It's definitely progress, not perfection. 
but there is a solution. There really is a solution. So keep coming back. Look at that. Yes, question. Tell us a little the evolution from before program to now of spirituality and how you work with second and third steps, how that's evolved. Mm-hmm. Can I talk about the evolution of the second and third step pre-program versus now? I grew up in a house where I went to a Jewish school, but my parents knocked religion. Um, so I got really mixed messages about God and very little spirituality. But even as a kid, I had this feeling that God was there for me. You know, God had my back. So Leslie taught me that I get up in the morning and I hit my knees which was something I never did before. Like, I would open my eyes in the morning and be like, oh, I binged again. Okay, what's going to happen? And and there were times where I would be afraid of going into the kitchen, just afraid of what was there because the day was going to repeat itself and I had no way out, you know? So I would just open my eyes to the diet or the binge, you know? Today I open my eyes to, okay, well, we were abstinent yesterday. God willing, we'll be abstinent today. And when she said, hit your knees, I was like, pray on my knees? Like, I'm a Jew. Like, we don't pray on our knees. She's like, just get on your knees, okay? <laughs> and it's this, like, complete submission of, I am nothing of myself. You know, I am nothing of myself. And the greatest spiritual principle that I have, which actually my new sponsor taught me, is service. Service takes me out of myself in a way that nothing else does. Like, I can sit down and listen to a fourth step, and my food will be cleaner than if I go to the gym that day. You know, it works in this really illogical way. Like, you would think that count your calories and go to the gym and drink a certain amount of water and all of that, and that's fine for some people. For me, it's go to a meeting, pick up the phone, do some service, you know, do something you really don't want to do once a day to help someone else. And that's where God works through me, is when I get out of myself. Because when I put the spotlight on myself, my problems just get bigger. But all of a sudden, I put the spotlight on someone else, and I come back, and it got smaller on its own. You know? Um, so that's how spirituality works in my life. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really curious things very difficult. And I'm wondering about like the specific logistics of getting to four meetings a week and you have three kids and a job. Yeah. How do you get to uh, four meetings a week when you have um, three kids and a job? Um, this is this is what I was taught was open up the directory, set your meetings in place, and work your life around your meetings. Because if you're waiting for time to open up to go to a meeting, it won't happen. You know, there's always, kid has a tennis lesson, piano, do this, this got canceled, whatever. But I know that Monday, there's a meeting. Tuesday at 1, there's a meeting. Friday at 7.30 a.m., there's a meeting. Saturday at 5.30, there's a meeting. No matter what. No matter what. So people will say to me, hey, Tuesday, want to hang out on Tuesday? Oh, wait, you have that meeting on Tuesdays, huh? Like, people know now, <laughs> you know, that Tuesday at 1, you won't find me. You know, like, my husband still, like, he'll call between, like, 1 and 2, and the other day I sent him a text, I'm like, dude, like 11 years I've been going to the same meeting. You still call between months. He's like, I'm sorry, I forget, okay, you know. Um, but, but that's it. Like, open up the 12-stepper, the find your meetings, and live your life around it. Yeah. 
Um, amazing, thank you. Um, what do you do when you find like the six and seven character defects you oh. let go of and kind of creep back in, or new ones maybe like now after all this recovery? How do you still like that? Um, how do I how do I deal with uh, six and seven on a daily basis, especially when ones that had left come, character defects that had left come back? My experience has been that certain character defects really have gone away, like they've really truly been lifted, um, and other ones like we kind of do a dance. You know, I found recently in my recovery that when I'm really miserable, like when my back's against the wall and the wall's on fire <laughs> and I'm in tears and I can't do my life, six and seven are in full swing. You know, ultimately I'm not sticking up for myself or I've said yes when I really mean no or I've told a little lie that's become a big mess or my ego has made me look like something that I'm not, you know. Um, and then it gets really messy and then it's like, all right, let's clean it up, you know, and that's when... I call my sponsor and say, hey, like, I've got a mess, like, <laughs> help, and she'll be like, okay, let's do this, 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 and often it requires some step nine, you know, like, do I owe an amends somewhere, what's my part, and guys, I've made amends where I wish the ground would open up and, like, swallow me up, you know, as opposed to doing this amends. Um, I'll tell you a real six and seven story, I went to the bank like two months ago and I've been going to this bank for like 20 years and I wanted to deposit some checks for my business except one person had written the check to my name instead of my business name so the woman tell us looking at it she's like we can't take this this is to you it has to be to your business so I took a pen and I wrote my business name on the check she's like that's a felony <laughs> I'm like seriously like I've been coming here for 20 years you know this is my account you know I threw a hissy fit like yelling, like, who do you think you are, you work for me, You're, this is my neighborhood bank, I mean, like, the whole freaking, I mean, it would have been just as easy to take it back to the client and say, hey, can you just make one out to my business name, because, you know, but no, it was like, and one of my main characters effects is entitlement, where you have to make me the exception to the rule, like, I know that's the rule, but don't you know who I am, you know, and she was like, no, you know, leave, <laughs> so, so I left. I have to go to that bank like twice a week, you know, and I got in the car and I was fuming, like fuming, and that takes me to the bakery, like behavior like that takes me to the bakery, called my sponsor, I was like, <gasps> you know, and she's like, oh, yep, yep, making amends, can I change banks? <laughs> Like, just make the amends. Like, Ugh, you know, and it was the most, it was, first I was like humiliated, but then I was so free. You know, I called the two tellers over, I called the two managers over, said I was here last Thursday, I apologize. My behavior was inappropriate. And here's the check, I have a new check, and that won't happen again. And we're like buddies now. I go to the bank, like, hey, Tisa, what's up? You know, like, instead of, like, closing the bank account, going to the bakery, hating that bank every time I went by, you know, um, hoping, like, they went out of business. Like, that, that's, like, the kind of, that's what I would do, you know. And now it's, like, six and seven were in full swing. What were they? Entitlement, anger, impatience, intolerance lying like you can't change someone else's check you know and I cleaned it up with nine so they come and, and I, I get to talk to the sponsor and clean it up
Hi, um, I love to share. Thank you. What is, what is your abstinence, and has it changed over the years? And you mentioned about being 20 pounds in program. Mm-hmm. Was that still why you were abstinent? Yeah. Um, my abstinence is three meals a day and a snack. Um, I do not binge, and I know the difference between a binge and a big meal. Um, for me, it's very clear. A binge is premeditated. It's, you know, buying. I know what a binge is. Um, but, no, this was just messy, big food, you know. And I giggled because <laughs> at what point I decided to give up sugar. I was like, oh, I don't eat sugar, you know, and expected to lose all this weight. But, like, if you put three avocados in your salad, like, it doesn't matter that you don't eat sugar. <laughs> you know, the, the weight will go up. So it was, I, I was kind of, like, messing with it. And so with my sponsor, we came up with a new food plan, which was no fried food. No eating in between meals, no bready, you know, bread, cookies, muffins, that kind of thing. And I eat sugar, but like just put it in my coffee or something, not as a recreation. And the weight came off. So now with these people in the house, it's been a little harder, but that's what works best for me. And I don't eat butter no matter what. I don't spread butter or margarine on anything. Not a piece of bread, not a baked potato. <laughs> like me and butter go way back. Go way back. I want like an IV drip on my arm. (laughs) So yeah, no better. Yeah, Lucy. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, How do you recognize and set healthy and appropriate boundaries in the program as a result of working the program? With program people, how do I set? Ooh, boundaries. Yes. How do how do I set healthy boundaries with people in and out of the rooms? That's a good question. Um, I think it's one relationship at a time. You know, uh, in terms of people out of the room knowing about my program, there are people who know I'm a compulsive overeater, that I'm a, you know, abuse survivor, that know my history. Um, And there are people who I'm not comfortable going there with. And there are people who try to go there with me. And I'll say, you know, I'm really not comfortable going there for today. In terms of people in program, um, I have friends in this program. We celebrate together. We'll go out and have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee, you know, whatever, go to, the, go to their wedding. Um, but with my sponsees, they really are my sponsees. They're not my friends. And it's been my experience that when sponsees become friends, it gets a little messy. I work the steps with them. I work the program with them. They have times where they call. Like I tell my girls, call before noon. They call at 12.15. I don't pick up the phone. You know, not because I'm trying to be mean or teach them a lesson, but it just it doesn't work. You know, it becomes too messy. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share.